Amen. Thank you, Mikey. Michael, good morning, church. Good morning, online community. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning, visitors. We have some visitors in the house and so glad to see you guys and welcome to Creekside Community Church. We have been preaching through a series. Uh, This is week 11 of 12. It, It seems like it's went really fast. It's been a preaching series and also a series called Experiencing God for our small groups. We have four small groups working through a Experiencing God workbook, and it's just been great for me. It's been great for a lot of you. I've gotten feedback, and it's really kind of challenged our thinking in some good ways. I like today's sermon because it's about kingdom people. And I got to say, when I came in this morning, I, I saw something that we'll get to called koinonia. And I'm not going to give you the whole definition, but that actually is deep fellowship. And let me tell you what I saw this morning when I came in. I saw people welcoming visitors, making them feel comfortable. I saw members hugging each other. I saw members giving comfort to those, as Mikey said, going through some hard times right now. Some with illness, some with work situations. And I love when the body of Christ is truly the body of Christ and loving each other, supporting each other, and praying for each other. And you're going to find out today that's truly what kingdom people, being a kingdom person, is all about. If you are visiting with us, this workbook, we go through five days, and so we're going to unpack each day's theme. We've kind of been learning that God calls us, God calls us to uh, be a kingdom person. I just remembered, if you're here and you're a preteen or teen, you can be dismissed for, I was so excited to get in the sermon, I just completely forgot. That, that's my flawness, but yeah, they can go with Clay then. Uh, also, my wife has given me a signal light. It's good when your wife sits on the front row. Amen. I love that amen. But the whole premise of experiencing God is that God, let me go through it real fast, God is always at work around us. God calls us to, invites us to be in his work. When he calls us there, then we have what's called a kind of crisis of belief. Well, do I step into this and do I do what God's called me to? Then you have to make major adjustments to your life. And we're in the last part of this study where we're talking about how, you know, the first part was kind of more individual. The last part is all about us as a group, as kingdom people, as a church, as a family of faith. And that leads us to kingdom people. Our memory verse, each lesson, each week has a memory verse. And the memory verse is found in 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light, as he, capital He, Jesus is in the light, we have, here's that word, fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So there's a twofold blessing to walking in the light. Number one is we get to fellowship with each other. If you read Acts 2, you really pick up on that these first century followers, these first believers, really loved being together. And then the huge blessing of once we walk in the light, once we maintain fellowship, because we've got fellowship with God, we have fellowship with others, that's the first two commands, right? Love God, love others, L1, L2, we used to call it uh, ages ago. But when we have that, walking in that, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. So let's unpack the days. Day one theme was on mission to the world. And the verses I chose was this, John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. 
Jesus did a three-year mission ministry program to where he was mentoring, he was discipling the disciples to do the work once he left. Acts 1, 7 and 8 says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be, watch this church, you'll be what? My witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want to bring out something that sometimes we miss this. Because I believe everything in the word of God has a meaning and an order. Notice the order of that city in that last passage. Jesus is basically saying you start where you are. Because that's where the disciples were. You start in Hot Springs. And then you go to reach Garland County. And then you go to reach Arkansas. And then you go to reach the nation. Too many times we want to be reaching the nations before we're actually saving souls in our own backyard. So we have a command. This wasn't just to the disciples. This is to us as modern-day believers. Now, I'm big on missions. I've been to Nicaragua. I've been to Brazil. But we have to have that heart for all of it. All of it. And every single point, every single place is important to God. Day two, we learned the word koinonia. It's a Greek word. Koinonia is the most frequently translated to mean, as we said, Fellowship, but I love how Dr. Blackaby defines it here. He says it's the fullest possible partnership and fellowship with God and with other believers. So notice it's a two-pronged thing as well. You have to have vertical fellowship with God, and you have to have horizontal fellowship with each other. That's why I, I, I have some people in my life that have, and I've got a few still say, well, I don't really need to church. You know, I, I go out in the woods and all, I, I just have my time with God there. Hey, that's good and dandy, but I'm telling you, God created you for fellowship with other people. It was Adam and Eve. It was kids. It was multiply and take over the earth. And in the New Testament, it's all about the community of faith, isn't it? They have communities of faith. And we see people coming into those communities. But get that, that it's a two-part. You can't have one without having the other if you're truly in koinonia and in a kingdom person relationship. It's in a relationship with God, and it's in a relationship with God's people. Day three, koinonia and the kingdom. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Just think about that. Because some of you got really good imaginations. Amen? Think about what you think God could do for you. The word of God says, no matter what you come up with, God can do way more than you even can think of. Let's say it like that. That'll blow your mind. You think you've got a really good idea. God says, well, you think that's good. Let me show you what I can do through you. According to his power that it is work within us to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout the generations forever and ever. Here's the truth, a spiritual truth. A believer cannot experience God, experience God in all the dimensions God intends for him or her apart from the body of Christ, the local church. You don't get the layers. You don't get those people on Sunday morning 
to have a good cry with or listen to your struggles or just to give you an encouraging word or to enjoy, you know, some of you, and I love when I see this. You know what I love seeing? This is really simple, but it's really deep. I love seeing after service is over and four or five, six, seven of you get around and say, hey, you want to go to eat with us? And then after the service, there's fellowship inside the sanctuary, but afterwards there's fellowship of believers together. And it's a two-layer thing. You've got to have that. I'm going to read that again. A believer cannot experience God in all the dimension God intends for him or her apart from the body of Christ, the local church. So if you don't find yourself, if you don't plug into a local church, you are missing, you are shortcutting yourself from some of the amazing things God has planned for you. The local church, the body of Christ. Day four, essentials of koinonia, part one. 1 John 2, 15, 16. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has, and does and, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. That's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And if you remember from a sermon on that, anything we struggle with will fall in one of those three buckets. And the word of God, the apostle John says. You can't be in the world and be of God. And when you're in God, you're in God with fellowship, with him, with koinonia, with others. Day 5 continues the essential for koinonia. John 15, 5, Jesus really sums it up and challenges us. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains, and you gotta, that's the key word there. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. Sometimes the best way to find where Jesus is is in the body of believers you plugged into. To see him at work in other people's lives. To bond with those other peoples. To work together. To serve the community shoulder to shoulder, side by side. That's koinonia. That's deep fellowship. So I got to thinking, how can we show this? And we know the scriptures and everything, but there are writings... There are historical writings that non-believers wrote about the early Christians and what that group, what that family of faith, what that church body looked like. This is a little long, so bear with me. It's on the overhead, but this was called the Epistle to Dionogtes. It's written about A.D. 30. Now, put that in time perspective. Scholars say Jesus died around A.D. 33. So this is like 100 years later of him looking into a Christian community. For the Christians are distinguished from other men neither by country nor language nor the customs which they observe. For they neither inhabit cities of their own or employ a peculiar form of speech nor need a life which is marked out by any singularity. The course of conduct which they follow has not been devised by any speculation or deliberation are inquisitive men, nor do they, like some, proclaim themselves the advocates of merely human doctrines. But inhabiting Greek as well as barbarian cities, according as the lot of them has determined, and following customs of the natives in respect to clothing, food, and the rest of their ordinary conduct, watch this, they display to us their wonderful 
and confessedly striking method of life. They dwell in their own countries, but simply as sojourners. As citizens, they share in things with others, yet endure all the things as if foreigners. Every foreign land is to them as their native country, and every land of their birth as a land of strangers. They marry, as do all others. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring, praise God. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. That's a huge sentence. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws and at the same time surpass the laws by their lives. They love all men and are persecuted by all. Let that sink in. They're loving everybody and they're being persecuted. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor, yet make many rich. They are in lack of all things, yet abound in all. They are dishonored, and yet in their very dishonor are glorified. They are evil spoken of, and yet are justified. They are reviled and blessed. They are insulted and repay the insult with honor. They do good, yet are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as quickened to life. They are assailed by the Jews as foreigners and are persecuted by the Greeks. Yet those who hate them are unable to sign any reason for their hatred. To sum it all up in one word, what the soul is to the body that are Christians in this world. That's a non-believer writing that, y'all about what Christian community should look like. Here's a more modern description from Rodney Stark. He's an author professor at Princeton, wrote The Rise of Christianity. He says this, Christianity served as a revitalization movement that arose in response to the misery, chaos, fear, and brutality of life in the urban Greco-Roman world. Christianity revitalized life in Greco-Roman cities by providing new norms and new kinds of social relationships, there's your koinonia, able to cope with many urgent problems. To cities filled with the homeless and impoverished, Christianity offered charity as well as hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachment. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. To cities torn by violent ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new basis for social solidarity. And to cities faced with epidemics, fire, and earthquakes, Christianity offered effective nursing services. For what they brought was not simply an urban movement, but a new culture capable of making life in Greco-Roman cities more tolerable. You know what stands out to me in that analysis? All those things that were happening then are happening now. We still have the homeless. We still have widows. We still have orphans. We still have wars and fires and earthquakes. We still have epidemics. Where's the Christians? I wonder in 100, 200 years, will somebody write of us as they wrote of the first century followers? 
Did we enhance our communities? Did we practice love, compassion, and mercy, koinonia, deep fellowship, and we're known for that? So let's unpack. I came up with four major points that I think are essential to deep fellowship to koinonia. Number one, we must love God with our total being. That's scripture. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's the priority. We've, we've looked at several verses. Jesus himself, himself said, if you put your family above me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. He wants us all in. It's a love where God is your total priority in your life. Loving God with our total being. Number two, we must submit to God's sovereign rule. No matter what government we're under, who's in the White House, what party you belong to, if you're a born-again believer, you have a God and He is sovereign. And you need to submit to Him and you need to be a citizen of heaven. You need to be a kingdom person in His kingdom. Because I'll tell you what, this government, this country, one day will fail and pass away. But the kingdom of God lives forever. It is an eternal kingdom that can never be cast down with an eternal king that will reign forever. That's good news. People need to hear that. Number three, we must experience God in a real and personal way. One of the best ways is experiencing our fellowship as we do every Sunday, as we do in our small groups. That God's just not this faraway person up on a throne that we throw a Hail Mary prayer to when we're in deep trouble. But no, God is with us every day of the week. God is driving with me to my workplace on Monday. And God's with me working among the community when I work and when you work. Because if you've been born again and filled with his Holy Spirit, you're taking God into every place you walk. Have you thought of that? You may be, I know it's a cliche, but you may be, I, I think we don't really get this. You may be the only Jesus that person ever sees in their life. And will it be a positive experience or will it be a negative one? We must experience God in a real and personal way. And it's that other old phrase, people don't care how much you know they want to know how much you care. That's real and personal. Showing up and praying for people. Taking a meal to somebody who's recovering from a sickness. Collecting food and clothing for a great ministry at a local school. That's caring. That's a kingdom person. That's practicing koinonia. And last but not least, we must completely trust God. Even when it looks like we can figure it out and it doesn't look like what we think would happen, we have to say, God, I'm depending on you. God, I trust for you to show up and show me which way to step. God, I pray and I trust for you to deliver me from this situation. We must completely trust. I've used this example before. It's like, you remember when the poker on TV, all the world poker in the Texas Hold'em was really, really big. And I mean, you could see it almost every, everywhere. And if you're a poker player, uh, you know, I'm going to use a card playing poker example. There's a term there called all in. If you've got a really good hand, then you push your chips in. Sometimes you use it to bluff people. 
But sometimes if you've got a great hand, you just push it all in. But I think, I, and I, I, I'm confessing on me, I think sometimes with trusting God, we're poker players. We see what God wants us to do. We hear his voice. We're walking with him. We hear it, and he calls us to do something. And we want to keep about 5 or 10% of our chips back just in case God don't show up. Anybody with me? Okay, God, I'll give you a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to hold on to this belief just in case you don't come through. What? There's never been a time that God didn't come through. Somebody say amen. Never, ever. God always comes through, and it's always perfect. His timing is always perfect. No matter what you're going through, like Mikey said, in your life. And I know if you're like me, some, I call it the microwave society. I want it tomorrow, what I wanted it yesterday. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. But God's doing the working us. God's working something in us to get us to a point where we can be what he's made us to be, called us to be. And we have to be completely trusting him. True koinonia. True deep fellowship only happens if a church is made up of individuals who are willing to submit to the lordship of Christ in the body of Christ. I'm going to say that again. True koinonia happens when a church is made up of individuals that are willing to submit to the lordship, and that's in every area of your life. That's your work, that's your marriage, that's your parenting, that's your retirement, that's your community activities, that's sports. Everything falls under the lordship of Jesus, and you're in the body of Christ. And your brothers and sisters see that. And as we experience that koinonia with other groups of God's people, we come to experience those greater dimensions of God's presence. And that's what we want is his presence at work at the world around us. By that I mean we're just not bound to this group known as Creekside Community Church. We can fellowship with Lake Point Church. We can fellowship with Encounter Church. We can fellowship with First Baptist because there's believers there, born-again believers who also are kingdom people. See, sometimes we make it, sometimes we small box it. And it's great to come out of our religious heritage and it has meaning to us, but if we think of terms when you think of terms and only like Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Christian church, those are all great, but they each have their own boxes. But watch this. When you say, I'm a kingdom person, you get the worldwide body of Christ. When you believe in Jesus, when you're under his lordship, I can fellowship, I can work with anyone who confesses him as Lord and Savior of their life. And that's a whole bigger way to work. That's a whole deeper way of deep fellowship, koinonia. And it allows God to work through multiple bodies of Christ to go Jerusalem, Samaria, and all Judea. We see this in the New Testament. There was churches in Ephesus. There was churches in Thessalonica. There was churches in Rome. And Paul was coordinating all of those as well as the believers in the Jerusalem Council. But I want you to be thinking about those four points. I want you to think if you're there with deep fellowship. We're blessed with deep fellowship here. Like I said, I watched it this morning in real time. 
But the truth is, all of us can go deeper. Amen. All of us can improve. All of us can be better. All of us can love stronger. All of us can care more. All of us can open our eyes to things that are going on around us to love others and love God. And that's what we're called to do. That truly is koinonia. So where are you this morning? Are you practicing koinonia with this body of Christ and out in your world and your circle of influence? Are you fully trusting God? Do you have your vertical relationship straight where you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And do you love each other's as you love yourself? See, Jesus said these were the greatest commands. They meant a lot to Jesus. They should mean a lot to us. If you're here this morning and you need prayers of encouragement, maybe you need prayers after the message, after the worship, we're here for that. Maybe you've never named the name of Jesus. Maybe you never confessed that he is the true and living son of God, been buried with him in baptism to walk in a new, new way, a new life. We can assist you with that as well. But we encourage you to plug into a deep fellowship with God and a deep fellowship with each other. This local church, this body of Christ called Creekside Community Church. Let's pray together. Father, from the beginning, family was so important to you. I'm thinking of the words from Genesis. After making Adam, you said, it's not good. Just not good for him to be here by himself. And you made woman, you made Eve. You've wanted family, you've wanted communion, community, since the very beginning. In the Old Testament, there were clans, there were tribes, your chosen people, the Israelites. In the New Testament, Father, Christianity breaks out. Jesus sets the foundation with the disciples, and these bodies of faith, these communities of faith happen, and we read, we see how they impacted others who weren't even members of that particular group. Father, it's my prayer that we would be like that that we would be loving you and loving each other here so much that the community takes notice, that we reach out and serve where we are able to serve. Whether it's individually, maybe it's at the gas pump, maybe it's at the hallways of a school, maybe it's at the ball field, maybe it's downtown just having some leisure time. Jesus, you said you wanted us to be your witnesses. Let us be your witnesses, not in words only, but by our actions, the way we love each other, treat each other, support each other. Father, help us. Thank you for the spirit of koinonia that has been here at Creekside from day one. May it always continue, but may it flourish. May it grow bigger, wider, and deeper to where people want to be here, to where people love being together with this group that you've called, you've called from all kinds of different areas, backgrounds, spiritual backgrounds. We've got all different states represented here. Father, you have drawn them together. Your word says that you draw all men to you. You assemble your families of faith. Father, help us to truly experience you and to walk in your will, to see you at work, to join in, to not be afraid, to go to new places that you're calling us to. God, just... Help us to put ourselves under the lordship of your son, Jesus. 
and help us to completely trust and rely on you in all occasions. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you most of all for Jesus, for he is our hope. We pray this in his name. God bless you. Thank you to our online community for tuning in. We're now going to go into a time of communion.